welcome to Thriving Educators. I am Brian Langley. In today's episode, I speak with Marcy Abel, world language teacher extraordinaire. Marcy's teaching career began in Almont, Michigan in 1988, where she taught English to the children of migrant farm workers before she even graduated from Western Michigan University. From there, her career took her through Armada, Stockbridge, Mercy High School, and even multiple stops in Florida. In 2000, she found her home in Novi. In 2021, she was named Novi High School's Teacher of the Year. In our discussion, we talk about how she built a reputation as an educator who takes care of everyone. Enjoy. Marcy Abel, Mabel, thank you so much for joining the show. I'm glad to be invited. Thank you. All right. So, Marcy, you were named Novi High School's 2021 Teacher of the Year. Um, What did receiving that kind of honor mean to you? Well, the timing of it was probably perfect because everybody in education knows that 2020, 2021, even into 2022 was probably the most difficult time of our entire careers. So it was really nice to have just that kind of acknowledgement that, hey, you're doing something right in the middle of, I was teaching entirely virtual all day long, and I was speaking to a blank screen of blank black boxes with names in them all day long, so I wasn't getting very much feedback from my current students, so it was very nice to get the acknowledgement that, hey, you know, somebody out there thinks you're doing a great job. (laughs) Yeah, that's good. I I know what you mean. I kind of... Way to go. That was perfect timing, I guess, in, in all yeah, of that storm. Exactly. Yes. Okay. So this might be a tough question, but why do you think you were chosen for the award? Um, I guess, I mean, the joke answer is that it was about time because I've been here forever. <laughs> but... <laughs> Mabel, we came in together. <laughs> I don't see any gray hair on your head, Brian Langley. What the heck? <laughs> um, it... I think from the letters that I read, a lot of it was based on um, my reaching out and I guess part of it just being very honest about my own struggles with mental health and being really um, somebody that my students and other teachers can come to when they're feeling stressed out about things. I was diagnosed with depression and anxiety in I want to say 1999 Mm -hmm. and have been on medication since then it's not something that I ever try to hide I don't talk about it all of the time but um, I've tried to incorporate a lot more um, social emotional learning stuff in my classes with my students because we just see so much more anxiety with kids these days that Mm -hmm. I just am always trying to talk to them about hey if you are feeling stressed out about something it's all right because we all have days when we're like that. So a lot of the letters that I got along with the teacher of the year award said that, you know, Mrs. Abel made a difference for me during a time when I was really struggling and things like that. So that made me feel pretty good that I'm able to make that kind of connection with kids because I mean, you know, whether or not they remember how to count to dies in Espanol is not going to be as important as the fact that I made them feel like they were important. Gotcha. And it's, I mean, I, there are so many kids in this building and they all need somebody. And mm-hmm. I, I'm just, I feel so, um, I don't know, comforted in knowing that, you know, kids know that you're somebody that they can go to. Oh, thanks. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. So 
And, and this just goes to my general theme in this, that Marcy, as I see you, like you just seem to take care of everyone. And so <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the, one of your uh, titles, uh, uh, nicknames, we, I already kind of threw out there that we, we affectionately refer to you as Mabel. Yes. But um, you also refer to yourself as the cruise director. Yeah. And, and of the high school. So it's an unofficial role, to be sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about what that role involves and why do you feel compelled to fill that role? I was trying to think the other day of who was the first person who referred to me as the cruise director. I think I was probably trying to um, convince people that they should come to a social activity. Mm-hmm. And somebody who had been on a cruise recently said that I was just like their cruise director. And it, as a young teen, I loved the love boat. And I thought Julie, <laughs> the cruise director, would be the absolute ideal job. So I was like, well, hey, let's go with it. I, if I can't be a cruise director in real life because I get seasick, then I can be the cruise director of Noah High School. And I do tend to... Um, peer pressure people into attending social events if I can uh, get the opportunity to chat with them I'll be like hey you should come to you know the outing this Friday or you should come to this that or the other thing so kind of a little bit like that and I have always been that way Um, and I think I can remember back in middle school I would drag, and this is in the days of rotary telephones, okay? So I would drag the telephone cord all the way down the hallway to my room and close the door and make 112 phone calls to all of everybody's friends to see if everybody wanted to go to the roller skating rink or something along those lines. And my dad was, my dad would always say, why do you have to be the one who calls everybody? Why can't somebody else? And I think it just stems from maybe like a case of fear of missing out that I Mm -hmm. felt like I was going to be left out. And then also I'm kind of a control freak. So I had control of the situation and I wouldn't miss out on anything if I was the one who was organizing everything and I was the one who was making sure everybody was invited. So I think that's kind of where it comes from. Yeah. Uh, Maybe I didn't get invited to somebody's birthday party in kindergarten (laughs) or something, and it started this onward spiral of me always having to be in control of all the social activities. But Mm -hmm. anyways, here we are today with Mabel, the cruise director. That's right. And and I feel like um, when I, you know, you send out uh, what reminds to the staff, Mm -hmm. we all join your reminds. Yeah. Um, You have a a Monday memo. Can you talk a little bit about the, the Monday memo? Yeah, that started... Gosh, probably like at least a dozen years ago now, something, somebody had a baby or somebody was in the hospital and somebody didn't find out about it. And they were talking to Carol Diglio and saying, you know, we should have some kind of a staff memo or something so that everybody knows what's going on with everybody. And they volunteered me for the job. Okay. 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 Said, so Kristen and Christina are to blame for starting that, but, um, yeah, I think it's going to take probably six or seven people to take over for all of the stuff that I do when I leave here in a few years. And currently, like, what kind of things do we include in that Monday memo? I have the list of staff birthdays mm-hmm. and um, upcoming social events, introductions to new staff members, Which I find very baby important. announcements. Mm-hmm. 
And um, I have a couple of our colleagues who write little um, columns for me. Liz Scribolo does the Pet of the Week. And <laughs> Katie James does all kinds of fun recipes. And mm-hmm. um, Kristen Rozek does crafts. And new this year, Jessica Rogers and Peggy Bassett do um, book recommendations. Right. So... You, you have this, uh, this newsletter that basically goes out to the staff mm-hmm. on Mondays, and it all seems to just fit in with your role, that we're all on your cruise boat, and you're, <laughs> you're steering the ship, and keeping yeah. us, you're keeping us informed. Um, yeah. You also, what, you have, what, chocolate available? Oh. You yeah, have. I have a, I have a whole, I have a toolbox underneath of my desk that is currently filled with. Hold on, let me pull it out and look at it. I have Rice Krispie treats and bags of microwave popcorn and cheese peanut butter crackers and pretzels and chocolate and granola bars. <laughs> so, where you take? I mean, you, you over and over again, you're you're taking care of people. Mm-hmm. All right. So, what I want to do is I want to think a little bit about. Um, well, this author and motivational speaker, Simon Sinek, uh, he has a quote that says, truly effective and inspiring leaders aren't actually driven to lead people. They are driven to serve them. And I feel like this quote exemplifies your leadership. And I don't know if you necessarily think of yourself as a leader or not, but I definitely see you as a leader. Um, so... <laughs> Have you always felt compelled to serve others or is that something that emerged? It's kind of funny because I, in recent years when this whole love language thing has become popular, I have really realized that um, my love language as far as giving love is definitely acts of service Mm -hmm. for my family, for my friends, for this staff. I always feel like I want to be doing things for people and it's just I guess kind of how I've always been I was I'm the oldest sibling I was the oldest cousin um and I just always was taking care of people just acts of service and then when I really self-reflect and dig deep my love language for receiving love is words of affirmation okay and so then i see that the connection between those two things i don't know if it's a chicken or an egg type of situation which comes first but i feel happy and when people are telling me oh you did a great job with this or thank you so much for doing this for us or you're the best thanks for always having chocolate for us and so do I do the acts of service in order to get the acts of affirmation or where did it all come from but either way I guess it all works out well for everyone that's right we get we get chocolate and you get thank yous and so we both feel good (laughs) and everybody's happy all right Thanks, Mabel. That that's so honest. Um, thanks so much for sharing that. And yeah, year, years of therapy and um, self-diagnosis and self-reflection. <laughs> so I, I'm glad I can uh, figure out where I'm coming from. Okay. So, Mars, I don't know how many people know this, but uh, you and I shared a classroom way yeah. <laughs> back in the early 2000s. So I teach physics. You teach Spanish. Um, our room was like a science Spanish mashup, and uh, we rotated in and out. And I got to stay in class sometimes and observe you. And I don't know if you realize this or not, but 
Um, I, I, you know, I took some things from you. In fact, I used one of your things today. Stop but it. I did. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if you remember it. I call it battle physics, but you had the kids set up, I think, like like a battleship game where they were playing uh-huh. each other. I don't know. You had you folded the pieces of paper hamburger style. It, we're yep. getting like really old school here. but Really old school, but my, my classes played battleship yesterday. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's so, it's, it is a very effective uh, way. And then you had kids change partners and rotate mm-hmm. through, and it's a way to mix kids up and yeah. keep them on the move. Yeah. So yeah, I used, I used that again today, Mars. Thanks. Hilarious. Um, so one thing that I, that I'd like to start doing on the segment is, or as a segment on the podcast yeah. is to have guests, um, talk about some of the, their, um, the best things that they do. And I don't want to put like pressure on you. You have to come up with like the best thing, mm-hmm. but you know, when we talk about teacher evaluation, sometimes there's this debate about whether, whether, whether you should be evaluated on a day that you know someone's coming in or whether you should be evaluated on a day you don't know. And yeah, I, can see, I can see value in both. Like, I know that on days when an admin is going to come in to observe me, I might try to set up like my best, this is like my best day. I know every uh-huh. day you try to do your best, but maybe you even end up trying something new that day or something. But think, think, if, think about when things are going your best or, yeah. or something like that. What does it look like? Try and help us paint a picture of that. Oh, good question. Um, and that observation thing, I always used to say that I wanted to know. And I think in recent years, I have developed more into a, I don't want to know. And mm-hmm. I really want feedback on what does my normal day look like? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. is this is this working on a, just a normal day when I had no idea you were coming and this is what we normally do? Mm-hmm. But um, I guess I would have to say that I feel like I'm at my doing my best teaching when I have things that really connect with the kids and really get them involved and engaged and that it's funny that you brought up games because you know like the friendly competition that Mm -hmm. spirit of competition is probably my favorite thing to use in the classroom because you know I always I'm not don't want to trick them into learning but if they're having fun and learning at the same time then that's when I feel like my classes are the most productive Mm -hmm. and that they're really taking something away from it so you know you can't turn every single thing into a game because then it's not special anymore but on days when we can do some form of a little um, competition and the kids are really engaged and Every kid in the classroom is trying to mm-hmm. make some Spanish sounds with their mouth. Mm-hmm. Then I feel like I'm being a great teacher. Yeah. So, so you bring up a couple, you know, really good points there. One, how do we get students to be motivated? Right. So there's mm-hmm. a motivation mm-hmm. piece in there, and there's different ways. And a game where they're engaged is one way. Yeah. And the other thing that you brought up is this idea that. You know, it, but things have to be special sometimes. Yeah. You and right, if you do this, if 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 you do the same thing, or if you have the same trick, and you and you do it all the time, that I don't know, it's it isn't as engaging. I think that still kind of affects right. the engagement yeah. part, right? Yeah, and there's definitely something to be said for routine as right. well, though. And totally we, you know, agree. I have I have some set routine in my classes. You know that um, uh, and. 
every Monday we do some independent reading and, and every Tuesday I do a Tuesday is Martes in Spanish. So I do a Martes mental wellness check-in where I have something, some kind of brain break or some kind of rate your emotions on this scale. Wednesday is uh, Movemos and Miércoles, which means on Wednesdays we move and we either do five minutes of yoga in Spanish or five minutes of the Just Dance game in Spanish. And so that routine they love because they say, oh, today's the day we get to dance or today's the day we get to play games or today's the day. And but I can't do the same thing on those days every week because I need to surprise them somehow. So. I try to find a balance between surprising them with new activities and giving them some comfort in routine. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's a really good point. I I, I see my classroom totally as routines. Even I play music in the hallways every day and Mm -hmm. that in between classes. And we have our particular days, T-Swift Tuesdays, One Direction Wednesdays, and so on. (laughs) And so... Yeah, you and like then, the alliterations too. Yeah, One I do. Wednesday. I might, I might have picked that up from your Spanish classes back Probably. in the day too. So, <laughs> um, all right, you know, these are typically targeted towards our newest teachers. Okay. Would you have any advice for new teachers that you could share? When I mentor new teachers, whether it's in Spanish or any other um, department. I tell them that it's important to be approachable, but not to try to be their friends, which we've all heard. I mean, they said that back to us when we were in college in the 90s, but um, to and you're make talk- sure that... you're talking about the way the teacher um, relates to the student. Right. The way they relate to the students, make sure that your kids know that you care about them and that they can come to you with questions, comments, and concerns. But don't try to be buddy-buddy with Mm -hmm. them because then you'll never be able to take it back if you do have a disciplinary issue. Mm -hmm. Um, And then making friends, too. It's so important to reach out to the other staff members and don't – you're going to be super overworked as a new teacher – but don't just hole up in your classroom and try to get work done. You have to make connections with the rest of the staff. Um, go and see what other people are doing or just outside of school to make friends and go to social stuff. But you have to um, feel connected to the building or I don't think that you can be in your best place as a human and to be in your best place as a teacher. Okay. Excellent. Mabel, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun talking to you, and I didn't need to be as nervous as I was. All right, great. (laughs) See you, Mars. Bye. Okay, that wraps up another episode of Thriving Educators. I want to thank Marcy Abel for sharing her story and for doing so with such honesty. If you'd like to hear more about the battleship game Marcy and I discussed, I'm going to explain it more at the end of this podcast. Otherwise, take care, everyone. Okay, so Marcy calls it Battleship. I call it Battle Physics. But it's a game we play that I think works really well for retrieval practice or general review. You set the classroom up in a speed dating-like configuration where students are placed with desks facing a partner's desk. My students take a piece of paper and fold it hamburger style, if you're familiar with that term. If not, imagine what folding a paper would look like to mimic a hot dog bun and then do the opposite. Anyway, the folded paper should have half the paper on the desktop and half up into the air resembling the old battleship game. 
I give a question and the students work on it independently on their sheet, using the part of the paper raised into the air to hide their work from the person they're facing. I give plenty of time to complete the problem and then go over it in class. Sometimes I'll call on students to discuss solutions. Either way, students then have their partner sign the problem if they got it correct. If they got it wrong, they just say, I made a little mistake, no big deal. I then have students rotate to a different partner and go on with the next question. I like the game because every student has an opportunity to think through and apply what they know to every problem while adding a little level of accountability, and I get to talk through every problem with the class. We do about 10 questions in a class period. I maybe play the game, I don't know, four times a semester. Take care out there.